Your party has finally crested the mountain and made it into the valley. The light breeze and fresh air greet you and seem to wash away the soot and grime from the mine shortcut. But it doesn't take the weight of the packs off your shoulders nor dampen the ever-pervasive nasal shrill that is the noble's voice that you are escorting to the next town over. The path you all trundle down leads into an overgrown oak forest, but appears to be well-tread. Night will be coming soon, so to avoid being out in the open, you decide to venture off the trail and find a means to camp. The noble states that he wishes to be far and away from all manner of ruffians, and you all grit your teeth. You head deeper and deeper into the forest. Here the oak trees look as though they have stood in this valley untouched for generations. Their bark is thick like scales, roots knotted and snaking over each other. The breeze still follows you, rustling leaves above your heads. Beyond that, you realize the forest is alive with sound and movement. You haven't heard an animal in days, and now you are almost overwhelmed at the amount of rabbits, mice, even deer you see fleet at the edges of your vision. The noble states that for each species seen that it compares nothing to the size, agility, or grandeur of the animals in the city. Before long, you find the perfect camp. There is a white circle of stones and a clearing where trees do not grow. It is now dusk. The stars can be seen, hints of yellows and purples making a corona around the tops of the trees. Your party sheds their packs and slumps to the stones. It has been a long journey, and you are all eager to take some time from walking. Unfortunately, this time you draw the short straw and are assigned to first watch as your party begins to bed down. You start a fire, but are so weary from the travel that you do not even bother attempting to cook the rations you have. The rest of your party all slouch into slumber, even the noble, who attempts to bluster out a few more bars of tales from his past. Maybe it is the air, or the trees, or the simple cries of the owls, but despite your best efforts, you are lulled into dreams as well. You do not know how long you have dozed. The weariness drags your eyelids down. You try to sit up, your eyes unable to focus. In the clearing, there is a new figure. A slow blink, and you can make out a lithe form keening over you. A blink again in the feminine form, nubile, nude, is now above the noble. Her expression is curious as she runs her fingers along the side of his face. He is now awake and appears startled for the briefest of moments. Then her eyes meet his, and he is still, soothed, calm. She smiles now and extends her hand, and he takes it lightly, pulling himself up slowly. He goes to speak, but she holds a finger to his mouth, and the words dry up on his lips. She saunters towards the tree line, still holding his hand, gently pulling him along like a pet. You finally get your bearings, finally find your limbs and your voice. You struggle to your knees and shout. The party shakes the slumber away, and you point them toward the tree line, toward the noble. The strange woman continues to a large oak tree. She scans the group and seems a little annoyed. She sighs. 
In a sharp movement, she tugs the noble, who falls like a child after her, into the shadow beyond the trees. They are gone, and your party rushes after them. Roll for initiative. Hello, and welcome to the third episode of Monsters and... Uh, This week we're Monsters and Mystic Maidens, because we're going to be talking about dryads. Great. All right. I, of course, am John Natsky. And I'm Christine Stouffer. Wonderful. Now, we're going to take you on another journey of our Monsterpedia podcast, talking about one of our favorite monsters, again, dryads. Right. And dryads are actually one of the earliest creatures introduced into Dungeons & Dragons. They were in the original box white box set and in that edition there was a lot of uh, like this is an example of one of those creatures based off of mythology and dryads specifically are greek mythology mm-hmm. they the white box kind of faded with a lot of different mythologies like german and whatnot the greek mythology was taken into account with like pegasus unicorn centaurs dryads were a big staple of it and one of the the more neutral could be used in a lot of different ways creatures now specifically like we were talking about Greek mythology has a heavy weight to it. It all started from there. Uh, Dryads could be found in a bunch of different substrates. They were spirits of trees and basically any kind of tree. Uh, When hearkening to Greek culture, it was specifically oak trees, but they were ash, maple, anything you could think of. They were the soul of the tree itself. Right, and Dungeons & Dragons kind of took the idea of a dryad and took the core principles of it and turned it into a creature for it. And Dungeons & Dragons isn't the only one to kind of modernize Mm -hmm. the dryad. They're also in a lot of other um, books, movies, TV, stuff like that. Um, John, did you have any examples? Specifically, ones that we had found when searching through were the Iron Druid Chronicles, Libriomancer, uh, the Percy Jackson series. And, and also Discworld. Probably the most heavy hitter for that one. Uh, they're also, of course, very prevalent across RPG games. The Thief series, Quest for Glory, World of Mana, Breath of Fire. And probably the one that I think that most people would be super jazzed on is The Witcher. Because they the Witcher series has really brought back like our love for monsters for like a lot of different people. Um, so thank you. Uh, Witcher team for for really (laughs) pervading that. Okay, so let's get into what an actual dryad is as far as D&D goes. So, John, what is dryad? Okay, so I wanted to do more detail this time. This is specifically for my mom, who really likes our podcast, but doesn't really know much about Dungeons & Dragons, so I wanted to break this down a little bit more. So, specifically, to start first, a dryad is a neutral fey creature, meaning they are not aggressive, they are not necessarily passive, they are of their own accord, and they are not of specifically mortal realm. They are from the fey. The fey realm, which is, you know, fairies. um, It'll be creatures like pixies and stuff are from that realm. Yeah. It it normally has to do with creatures or or spirits, not necessarily of um, like angelic or demonic descent, but out of this world, like nature-based. Uh, they they uh, they act on their own accord. And specifically, dryads are their own substrate. They're always women, uh, beautiful women. They have delicate features, kind of similar to, I guess they could be elf-like in appearance. Does that seem right? Yeah, yeah. And um, <laughs> interestingly, they're always naked. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
which I guess they're nature spirits, you know, they want to be naked. That's fine. Hang loose and all that. Um, but they, they're nature spirits with, or sorry, naked nature spirits with green skin that's bark-like. And they'll always have like plants like on them growing as a part of them. Like, for example, their hair is made out of leaves, which I love because <laughs> their hair can change colors with the season. So like in the fall, they have bright orange hair. In the summer, they have green, beautiful, like green leaf hair. <laughs> and I just love that because who wouldn't want to be able to change their hair color with the season? <laughs> well, I... I, Christine got super jazzed about it, and I thought it was like the coolest fun fact uh, for this. Now, to kind of wrap this out, though, to talk about this, they dryads are not necessarily like birthed, but they're they're formed. Yeah, now, right. They're created when a like powerful fae creature binds a lesser fae creature to an oak tree. Mm-hmm. And normally, this would be seen as a punishment. For, and like the common reason that this was done is when a fake creature loves uh, a mortal in some way. So this is like not necessarily something great for the fake creature. Um, but now let's kind of talk about what makes them dryads. Like what what is their kind of behavior in the D&D uh, universe? Right. So dryads are like super shy and reclusive. Um, they're generally nonviolent and they'll avoid physical combat at any like cost. Unless her tree or even her forest is attacked, in which case she will go crazy and defend it. Um, they they live inside of the trees. They're you know basically the like we talked about the soul of the tree. So that's why they they kind of tend to be more secluded. They will watch people. They won't generally interact unless like Christina said threatened or they find someone curious, which is kind of like what we did in the intro here. Like right. all fake creatures, if they like something, they'll try to take it. Right. Specifically, though, they'll do it if they find someone attractive. Mm -hmm. Um, And in older editions, there was specifically if you had higher than a certain amount of charisma, they would try to take you. Yes. And if they if they took you, there was a 50 percent chance that your character or like the NPC would disappear for what was it like one to three years? No, there was a 50 percent chance that they would disappear forever and never come back. But if they got taken, the other option was was... one to four years. (laughs) So just think about that, uh, about having to reroll a character because you just wandered into the Fey wilderness. Um, Now, uh, Basically, they, 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 like we talked about, they watch from trees. Um, um, they're guardians of the woodlands, so mm-hmm. they'll defend the trees, like I mentioned earlier. Um, they might um, actually approach uh, travelers sometimes to try and get their help defending an area. Mm-hmm. So that's another case where they might interact with uh, characters, stuff like that. Now, that isn't to say that they, they are not, they're, they're, they don't have abilities. They're not completely without any actions that they can take oh absolutely not and they definitely have the help of a lot of other you know woodland creatures fey creatures like uh treants mm-hmm. and you know pixies and stuff yeah they they kind of commune they they're kind of the 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 baseline where everything in the forest kind of flocks to them uh because they are like again souls of the forest they do have specific attributes to them though that because they are imbued with uh, uh being a spirit they can teleport from tree to tree uh, specifically, like falling into it, like they just like walk through a door and they're somewhere else. So um, beyond that, they have exact knowledge of the forest uh, that they kind of harbor over. Um, and they have the ability to charm. They they can use the charm person spell, mm-hmm. which will just you know make people non hostile towards her. Mm-hmm. Um, 
She also, she's connected to her tree in such a way that as long as her tree is healthy, she's healthy. Mm -hmm. um, she will remain forever youthful and alluring unless the tree is harmed. Yes. So uh, this kind of brought up in one of Homer's tales of the Ovid, where this is a little bit more brutal, where if one of the trees were attacked, then uh, specifically like you'd hear like a shriek and the dryad would plead with them and blood would flow from like red blood would flow from the tree. That's not exactly how dryads work. I just thought that was brutal and awesome. So I wanted to bring that up uh, for a moment. And of course, dryads can commune with all nature of animals and plants. So um, they, they have the ability to speak with everything in the forest. Oh, they can also speak common as well. Oh, yeah. So they can speak to travelers and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I think that pretty much covers everything to kind of describe how what, what makes a dryad. So let's jump to our thoughts, like what we would do with dryads as DMs or what cool things we would think of for this. So the first real idea, and this was actually one of the first drafts of the introduction for that was to have kind of like the example that we've been bringing up a bit here is to have a, a grove of trees attacked and have the dryad retaliate. So this could be seen as either like a side character that's introduced, a creature that would be a fight. They are skilled enough that you could bring them into like a battle, but I, I had that in a means to like introduce another aspect of whatever part of the world that the, um, the party is brought into. So uh, again, Luke, don't worry about this. You're going to, you're going to meet plenty of cool stuff. Don't, don't think about this. What's an example that you have, Christine? Oh, uh, well, one of the things I had also suggested for our intro early was, you know, a dryad approaching a group of travelers to try and gain their help for their, you know, their grove maybe being encroached on by a nearby town or like something is being clear-cutted and then she needs help from the travelers to fight and take back or find a balance with whatever's mm -hmm. going on. So this could also be a, like a similar vein where like there's industry that's being developed in the mortal world and you kind of have to, uh, you know, ask yourself as characters, like wh where do you find, how do you draw a balance in the situation because the people need to, need to live there, but this clearing the forest will eventually kill the dryad like that's there. So where do you, where do you draw the line? What do you need to do uh, for that situation? Right. Do you help the dryad or do you help the town out? Yeah. Um, something like that. Yeah. Now, one of the ones that I kind of got super duper jazzed on as soon as Christine gave me the fact of uh, the lore of them being bound to trees was uh, like basically having a, a specific grove in a forest or like have like a grove be set in the middle of nowhere to kind of be like a, a jail block for fey creatures like they they are sent here to be punished because they can't move too far away from the trees or they will eventually wither and die and they only live as long as the trees so this is in a sense like a, a jail sentence and i wanted there to be in a sense like a, a larger fey creature that would watch over this area and push people away this i, I kind of saw it also as a fact of maybe just such an old forest that you know civilization builds itself around it and eventually the fake creatures can like rise up and try for a jailbreak to like encroach upon the world and and gain footing again and rebel against and your your characters just kind of have to try and stop what's a, what's occurring there now i know that's kind of grandiose but i really kind of fell in love with that idea and i kind of started to write something up uh, <laughs> about that one just cuz i loved it so much what other major things have have we had 
Oh, um, another one that I really like is the idea of a dryad having like an army almost of charmed creatures that are helping her defend a forest. And as players, you kind of have to like at some point you would have your players realize this and try and figure out like, do you kill the creatures that this dryad has enslaved or like, do you not kill them? Do you try and save them like like it could almost be like brought up in a like uh, these are a group of people like not necessarily cultists but maybe pagans they're being played off as pagans living in the forest and you kind of realize after a while that they are under a spell that they are not there of their own accord so where do you take the action from that point do you try to kill the dryad and like let everybody go do you just kind of like free them from the curse by ending everybody this will be kind of like a morality thing for characters i guess but like you kind of have to go from there one that I had thought of, which I'm only going to say this for the briefest of moments, but again, charmed people being used against their will. Maybe a brothel in a forest. It seems like a fae thing. Kind of seems, again, like kind of King Killer, Killer Chronicle-y. I'm going to stop talking at this point, so we're not going to go there any further. Um, lastly, the one that I had in the back of my head would have been like the cutest escort mission in the entire world, where you would have, um, because dryads do... Uh, taking people, they they do they do breed with mortals, and there are half dryads. And I thought about what about the cutest escort mission where you have to escort like a an infant half dryad back to its mother's or even tree. Just, just a young one, like a toddler. Yeah, Cause... just think about this like uh, uh, Yoshi's story where baby Mario is like on the back of like just imagine like carrying like a baby dryad all the way home, and it's like a feel good side mission for everybody. You know, you just get to see the forest. It's a wonderful spring day and you just try to have the best time possible. So not everything has to be doom and gloom and fighting for for the podcast, but like we'll we'll add, I don't know. Do you have any others that you can think of right now, Christine? No, I think that's all of our ideas for now. Maybe we'll post some more up. Yeah, if know. we can we'll we'll try to what we'll try to do is like if we can think of any others like after this gets recorded, maybe we'll throw up like a text document uh for everybody to like see for this. Uh, uh right. So, now we're going to move on to the puzzle of the month as per usual this one kind of the audio quality got a little bit messed up okay i'm gonna i'll just i'll jump on this right now this is my fault uh was it gonna be a fun part of the podcast probably every other week where it's gonna be john's fault this is something that john did wrong this time uh so i set up all the audio gear uh the first time we went through and we we record the intro and the trap first so christine's mic is gonna be very very quiet because i put the mic into the, to the mount backwards and we couldn't figure out what was wrong and it turns out i'm just a big dummy but i still think everything shines through you still get an essence of everything and please enjoy your party makes its way through the tunnel singed but still in one piece the room before you opens up a bit more so that all four of you can stand abreast you understand now the nature of this place and scan the room before making further moves the room is long and thin, the walls on either side making a blue sky mosaic that wraps around the far walls where the image of the goddess again greets you. Her hands are open, bloody, and the same ribbon-like words splay around her like wings. It states, I am everything, and everywhere. I am the earth, the sky, the water. I am the stag and the wolf. I am all things. Halfway through the room, running along the long walls, are mounds of earth, and tattered fur and old bones. In the center, the path continues all the way through, but stops at a pedestal. There is a carcass of a stag, now all bones, that only takes up half the stage. 
The far end of the room declines down into a black pool of stagnant, standing water. Another puzzle to appease the goddess. So, Christine, how does this puzzle work? Well, this puzzle is basically uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple, Shrine of the Silver Monkey puzzle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we kind of wanted to do a little bit of fun nostalgia for everybody, so we decided to base a pretty simple uh, puzzle based upon... Um, well, you go into detail about how this one would work. Right, so um, in that like little, I guess, epitaph around the goddess is her saying, you know, uh, I'm everything, I'm in the the earth, the sky, and the water. So in the room, there was those mounds and then the water, and uh, above the, the room, you'll find three different pieces of a statue, of a bronze statue of a wolf mm-hmm. that has to be put together in front of the carcass of the stag. Yeah. So we did it in our own kind of way to kind of continue this lore that we're building out, which I I don't know, I think we're doing a pretty good job at. Um, but we kind of envisioned in our heads to, to find something that fits whatever kind of puzzle, whatever kind of dungeon you're running, um, and then just kind of hide three or multiple parts across the room. Again, in this one, we have um, the mounds, like these like burial mounds or like mounds of like kills uh that bones and like carcass basically yeah and you'd find a piece of a statue in there like you know front end back end uh within um we had a second part listed as the air which we entitled to be kind of like you turn around in the room and above the doorway you find like the head of the wolf or like a skull or something like that Mm mm-hmm and then lastly, um, that whole stagnant, like, black water area would be where you'd have to kind of dig and find, find another, another piece, you know, like a ribcage or something, something, I don't know, middle. <laughs> to put together. Yeah. Um, so, But the kind of overall goal is to uh, put all pieces together, however you want to lay it out. We had the idea of front end, so like front paws and skull, spine and rib cage and back end of a wolf. That the would butt be, of the wolf. Yeah, the butt of the wolf. <laughs> which is the big joke, uh, be laid into um, the like a mount in the statue, uh, or excuse me, the pedestal, like a statue in front of the stag, and then the door would drop away, and you could take further action from there. So this wouldn't necessarily be too um, involved of a puzzle. It's not uh, a huge, like, multiple like action it would just be a, a fun kind of investigation that gives some more lore about whatever you want to do you know probably um, nothing above a medium check or anything like that yeah and you could find this through like pure perception it wouldn't have to be necessarily like religion or that, investigation yeah, oh yes excuse me uh f- for that but it wouldn't be necessarily that you'd have to have some kind of in internal knowledge there's nothing that you would need beyond perception that could also work for this obviously if you did have like religion you could point them in the direction a little bit easier for that but it it's simple enough it's legends of the hidden temple it's just it's a lot of fun we wanted to do a fun one with this one um yeah so all right i guess that's it for this this week's episode um what do we have to talk about, John? Who do we have to thank? Uh, well, we have to thank... Uh, first off, I want to thank new contributor. Uh, we're trying to work this into the show, so I hopefully it'll go in this week. Uh, Davey, uh, John, uh, thank you for sending us in some additional music. So hopefully this is playing. If not, we're going to make it happen. Um, additionally... And additionally, we want to thank Zach for making... Zach Hanny uh, from Summer Recording Studios for making our intro song and for producing this for us. Additionally, for our icon. Oh, uh, my friend Brie Ross, whose uh, profile you can find, I posted it on the Facebook group. Um, Perfect. And you can find us again at uh, 
Monsters and Pod at gmail.com. As well as on, on Instagram or excuse no, me, Twitter. Twitter and Facebook. Twitter and Facebook. I plan on making an Instagram just because it's easier for me to access on a day to day basis. So um, you see further updates there. Uh, thank you to um, everybody who sent us information so far about suggestions. We really appreciate oh, that. Yeah, we got a suggestion and we're going to try to do this for the next episode for Knowles. Yes, we're going to so. try to do Knowles. Yeah. Um, Sorry, we couldn't get that for this one. We'd already started the work for this episode when yeah. we got your message. But we're going to try to hit Knowles next time, and it's going to be pretty fun because I actually really like Knowles, and I'm I'm excited to work with that. Uh, but again, thanks, everybody, for your suggestions. Keep them coming. Uh, let us know what you want to see. Uh, is, is that everything, Christine? Yep, I think that's everything. Thanks for listening. Yay!